The creaky sound of the fresh snow under Caitlin's boots made a plural rub crunch as it ground under her soles and into the pavement. Or perhaps it was the road. Pedestrian routes become interchangeable in the snow. People can veer off course. The back streets were awash with the delicate silence. Even the main roads were caught off guard overnight. Caitlin had actually gasped when she had sloped downstairs in her dressing gown and slippers to flick the kettle on. She hadn't seen this coming. Standing at her back door, looking through the little window, her back garden looked like it had been stolen in the night and replaced with another one. The silence of snow had got her again. Stealthy, in the dark of night, like an inverted robber. The darkness made the ice glisten into a dark purple hue. An aubergine tinge on the top of her shed. The boiler jolted, almost in unison with the end of the kettle. Whatever she would encounter today, she had this moment with herself to come back to. Although it would have been tempting to make this a crochet day, it would also be sacrilege to resist the outside world. She knew the walking roots of her town like an old book. Something new every time, but never a worry about the trajectory of the paths, of the dead ends, of the chance of veering too close to the A road. She could pop into the co-op for a meal deal and sit in the park bandstand and stare at the robins and the blackbirds with a brie and cranberry sandwich. Last time all the brie fell out, so she had some unfinished business. She crossed the road at the lights at the end of the high street, but there were so few cars on the road this morning she didn't even need to look. It was a town in refrigeration, and she felt secure as she trundled and crunched. The hardware shop would do a roaring trade in shovels and sledges today, she thought, but it didn't look open. She thinks he lives up on the hill where the pitch of the snow would reach C8 and the roads would be meringues. Every other shop was closed. No one over 60 was about, and the ones under 16 couldn't contain their thrill. Caitlin remembers the yellow hill from her youth, named such because of the view of the rapeseed fields that circumferenced it all summer. She and William would sledge down it on bin bags and usually end up in a bog at the bottom covered in cowwee. She pulled on the sycamore branch at the end of her street as she returned with a loaf and some four-pound butter. The snow pinged back into the air and scattered itself on her head and shoulders before getting lost in the blankets of more untouched snow. On the approach to her cottage she saw a seven-foot Norwegian spruce leaning against her stone brick, wrapped in its white netting. Three days after its expected arrival date, but just getting to the point where she was feeling hard done by, this was actually perfect timing. What a day to untangle lights and hang beads. Dolly Parton's Christmas and some homemade stolen left from the craft fair. A white van gently slid past Caitlin and came to rest outside her house. It was her fortnightly veg box delivery from Hesseltine's farm. The image of the former Deputy Prime Minister spending his retirement boxing up seasonal courgettes would now have to be commuted to the shortlist for next year's difficult cross-stitch patterns. The van door swung open and stayed there, so Caitlin tapped her boots on the outside wall beside her emaciated-looking fuchsia 
and tried to stall for time until the old man who delivered the boxes disembarked. But it wasn't the old man. It was a giant middle-aged ginger man. He looked like Beowulf. His woolen jumper under his fleece looked itchy, but a soft-looking check shirt underneath that seemed to be protecting him. His face was freckled, and his cheeks had an almost perfectly circular flush to them both. Strands of light orb and chin-length hair were mixed with copper tinges. There was a weight to his frame that looked achy, but solid. Perhaps he constantly had lower back pain too. His wellies were like a pestle and mortar on the few steps he took to the boot to swing open the back doors. Caitlin pretended to be busy in the doorway of her house so as not to seem like she was standing and waiting for him before he was ready. It was obvious he was struggling a bit with the order form and was triple-checking which box was correct, what the address was and whether he had the right number in his phone was on the sheet. He shuffled towards the door, cradling the boxes, his hands firmly wrapped around the cardboard. Um, number 20, Fern Cottage? Caitlin was now inside, and in her socks in the doorway, but had forgotten to take her bobble hat off. It had now become firmly part of her head. That's right. Right, I've got a deluxe wonky with extra fruit here. I hope. He checked his form again. He hadn't actually looked up at Caitlin properly yet. She laughed a little bit at the way he'd so formally said deluxe wonky. (laughs) That's me, yeah. Looks wonky enough. He seemed a bit too stressed to laugh, but instead placed the box at her feet on the mat just in front of her socks. He stood up and then immediately let out a sigh having felt he'd now completed his mission. He dropped his shoulders and he looked at Caitlin for the first time. Sorry, it's my first day. I'm all over the place. What a day to start a driving job, said Caitlin, trying to reassure him. This brought his face to life in a huge smile. He slightly adjusted his beanie hat. It was one of those little hipster ones squat on his crown that wasn't doing anything to protect him from the icy cold. It's certainly wonky out here, he said, unfolding the printouts. Right, can I just get your signature, please? Caitlin took his pen, which immediately lost the ink within the shell. She tried to click it back down, but it had obviously lost its spring. Excellent, he said sarcastically. Sorry, hang on, there's another one in the van, I think. That's all right, I'll get one, she said and she scooted back into the house, leaving him to regroup and take a second to compose himself and wipe his face with his snowy, wet, fingerless gloves. Is this yours? he called out, referring to the tree perched on the outside wall before Caitlin could retrieve a pen. She returned to the doorway to see what he meant, having not got the pen yet. The Christmas tree? Yeah, that's mine. It must have come just before you did. It's a big one, isn't it? This wasn't intended to imply a struggle to carry it in the house, but he offered to help bring it inside anyway. And unusually for Caitlin, she agreed. He held the tree aloft in the dark and narrow hallway, while the tip bent into the low ceiling. He took his wellies off with the heel of the other. She told him not to worry, but he seemed the type to find walking into a house with wet wellies more awkward than walking around in his socks, which were thick grey cotton ones, with a small picture of Mr and Mrs Twit on each ankle. 
just through here would be great, she said, ushering him into the living room. Then Caitlin remembered what she'd been doing in there before bed last night. They were met with over 20 jars of homemade piccalilli. She'd fallen asleep sticking the labels on them. They were a bonus Christmas present for people, although she'd certainly get through a few herself. The man placed the tree carefully against the wall and ensured it was secure before taking his hands away and immediately unzipping his fleece. Her central heating was on care home mode this morning. He could almost chew on it. Then he acknowledged all her piccalilli production line. Wow. Christmas presents. Nice. I love it. I think I'd eat it out of the jar with a teaspoon. Is that weird? Caitlin laughed and shook her head. She remembered a little one-liner she thought of last night about it looking like piccalilli circus in here. But she felt the moment had passed now. She was still holding his printout and needed signing. Oh, hang on, I need to sign this, don't I? Come through, I'll get a pen from the kitchen. As she led him into her small kitchen at the back of the cottage, she found a stash of pens in the cutlery drawer. And for some reason, she fished past the blunt pencils and the boring biros to find her Japanese fine liner, the one she likes to do the outline on some of her greetings cards. Why did she want to use this? She thought to herself. She signed the form and caught him looking around the kitchen. There was poached egg residue in a tepid pan of water. It looked like algae. An eight-cup cafetiere was in front of her favourite Edinburgh Zoo mug. That coffee smells amazing, he said. Would you like one? She said, immediately replying, handing him the form. He checked his phone for the time. Are you absolutely sure? I'd honestly love one if that's okay. She poured two more cups from the cafetiere, then heated them in the microwave. Caitlin perched on the worktop. He leant against the fridge, which moved a bit under his weight and clinked some glasses inside. He indicated how fun that sounded, but Caitlin knew it was only the chilli sauce hitting the pickle. They mostly spoke about the veg box company and how much of a highlight it was for her weekly meals. He had needed something else to top up his income aside from his craftwork with wood. Um, chopping boards mostly, and kitchen things. I tend to make things that I like to use myself in case no one buys them. That's very sensible, she replied, trying not to worry that she might have burnt the coffee whilst reheating it. I just finished one last night for baguettes to be chopped on. It's got these little grooves where the knife can slice the baguette while it's in a sort of bread bed thing. There's also a small inkwell at the end that's for olive oil or vinegar. Or pick a lily, said Caitlin. And he burst out laughing, crashing back into her fridge and then apologising again. He was a clumsy one, this veg box man. It sounds clever, but I copied it from Lakeland, to be honest. I probably won't sell any. Caitlin said it sounded great, and they finished their coffees whilst discussing things one could do with pumpkins other than soup. And then he thanked her for the coffee and said that it was exactly what he needed this morning. He showed himself out, banging his head on the low beams as he went, holding the suffix of a swear word in. Then Caitlin washed up their cups and put them side by side upside down on the draining board. 
Then she put some Michael Bublé on her Bluetooth speakers to get the decorating party started. And then she realised she was still wearing her bobble hat. 